0: In today's show, we're going to be looking at players from a dynasty perspective that are buy low options. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. it. Let's get to it indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Today, or yesterday, we looked at sell high dynasty players, players whose value may drop a little bit. Now we're gonna to cross to the opposite. Look at players whose value might be a little bit lower. You might be able to extract a discount, 10% discount, 20% discount, 50% discount, whatever it is on acquiring them in a dynasty format. So let's talk about those guys now. I think the first one we wanna talk about is one that's an interesting one and the, the window on him is pretty low and that's Jarrett Allen of the Brooklyn Nets. Before the season was shut down, Allen had inexplicably, or actually from a basketball perspective, Inexplicably lost his starting job from a uh, PR slash um, we fired the coach because the star players weren't happy with how their friend was getting minutes perspective. It made sense. He lost his starting center job to DeAndre Jordan when Allen was clearly the best of those two guys this year. Now, Jordan isn't going to Orlando for the season resumption. The Nets have literally no other centers going down there because Nick Claxton isn't going, so there's only Allen. So we're going to see a big rise in his value. But this season, he played under 26 minutes. He averaged 11 and 10 with 1.3 blocks on 65% shooting. I looked at guys who are all outside the top 100 this season for this list, and Jarrett Allen's one of them. So you've got a bit of a window here. If people And people, rightfully so, will be thinking, well, Jordan's going to be back next season, so Allen's going to go into a smaller role. And that's probably true. So you've got a little bit of a window now. His value might rise during the Orlando bubble and then it'll probably drop again next season. I think Allen can legitimately be a top 60 player. He'd give him 29 minutes a night. He can be a 12, 13-point-per-game scorer, 10 boards. I think at some point he might hit threes in low volume. Alex Len maybe type volume, but not, not Al Horford type volume. I think he can hit some threes, but he'll block shots and be a high field goal percentage player. But it's obvious that his season this year was not good. There were rumblings, I feel, throughout the year of... Uh, guys like Kyrie and KD, why is this bloke starting? And I think it did have an impact on his confidence. And one of those areas that I do like to look at with confidence and how a player is feeling is free throw percentage. He went from a 71% guy down to a 62% player. And that is that is a concern. He did up his field goals from 59 to 65, so that's huge. But the free throws is a real worry, and it got worse as the season went on. Now, there is, again, massive room for him to get better. His advanced numbers are all pretty strong. He had a, a plus 1.63 PIPM. He's a good defender. I think he's got some real—he's still literally only—he's only, he's only uh, 21, I believe, is his age. Just let me double-check this. No, sorry, he's just turned 22. So it was his age 21 season. Well, yeah, three, four years from now, he, I think he's a solid 28 to 30-minute-a-night guy. And you've got a window now, and you probably have a bit of a window next season with the Orlando bubble bumping his value somewhat in the middle to get Allen in a dynasty league and get some value back for him or get or get some value in a trade for him. So I really do think that his position is as a decent minute starting center and it might not happen in Brooklyn. The next guy that we take a look at here, another big man. Now, take this with as much caveat as you need. I love Wendell Carter Jr. I, I think he's a really, really good player who has been dicked around by horrible coaching with the old, uh, the old Shadow King, Jim Boylan. Carter has been, he has struggled in certain areas of his game in the NBA. I don't think there's any denying that. He's had injury problems, which have been a, a problem also. But I thought, you know, straight away, coming into the league, he's been pretty good defensively. He averaged 11 and 9 this season with a true shooting of 59%. He has not been able to shoot threes. His attempts are 0.7 per game each of his first two seasons. He was a guy that shot significantly better than that at Duke. His percentage also horrible, 21% this year, 19 percent last year. I think there's a confidence issue there. His free throws, again, lost steam, went from 80 down to 74. His usage went from 19 down to 16. So it was a little bit of stagnation from Carter this season. He did play 29 minutes, but I believe he is a 32 33-minute-a-night center who's got top 50, if not top 30 upside as an Al Horford type of player. I really believe in Carter. Offensively, he can pass the ball. They can use him to run things a lot more than they do. I think there is shooting potential in what he does. He can block shots. He can rebound. He can score. There is a lot more from him. Now, it might be three years away, but I really, truly believe that Carter has a chance to be a top 50 fantasy player in the next coming years. And for now, his reputation is down in the toilet. He's been injured. He's struggled. The system hasn't worked for him. He hasn't been shown to be able to pass, to facilitate, or to shoot. And I think he can do all of those things. But again, take that caveat. I love Indokado. I think he's really, really good. A lot of people don't necessarily agree with my assessment of him. So you are taking a fly. But what? How, how much lower can his value get? Starting center, outside the top 100, not great, injured. I think you can get him at an absolute bargain at this point for a guy that I think in three or four years' time we're talking about as a, at the least, fringe all-star, if not high-level all-star. I I could be very wrong on this. I just think there's so much more there in Carter than we've seen or we've been allowed to see because of the coaching and some of his own problems, no doubt. The injuries and the poor shooting is some of his. But I think confidence and scheme are massive issues, and I've really been impressed with how he's defended already, and that's also a... um, It's also a huge sign to get it to rookie and second-year big man to come in and be as impressive as he was defensively. I think he's a huge feather in his cap. So Wendell Carter Jr. is a guy that I am looking at as somewhat of a buy-low player. If you want to buy low on car parts, rockauto.com is the place to go. Why bother going into your local auto store, bricks-and-mortars type thing where they can't possibly have all of the stock that you need? So many different makes and models of cars and trucks available now. They can't stock everything. They have to get on, they have to order it. They tell you it's going to be weeks before it comes in. Why don't you just order it yourself at rockauto.com and save yourself some money in the process. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The next guy up on this list is not a big man. It is the Shark Bruce Brown. Now... I go back and forward on where Brown is. I've seen him thrive as a point guard. The Pistons don't really have a point guard. Yes, Derek Rose is there. He's not a long-term answer. And if they get themselves a pick in the top three or four, they'll be most likely picking Killian Hayes or the Mallow Ball. Brown is already a very, very high-level defender. A really, really good defender. The three ball from him is still somewhat of a concern. But 34%, admittedly massively low volume uh, uh, under two attempts per game is a concern, but he shows an ability to pass. He generates steals at a high level. He blocks shots at a pretty good level. In his 28 minutes, he was at half a block over a steal, four assists, five rebounds, only nine points, but still had a true shooting of 52%. So that's not a complete disaster. It's not great. There's no doubt about that, but it's up from 47 last year. I just think that if we're looking at guys, he's already 23, 24, so he's already a little bit older, but a, a player who is going to have a rotation spot for in a foreseeable future because of his defense, if we can just bring out that uh, that playmaking role for him, I'd love to see them try him as a, as a combo, a backup point guard and, and shooting guard type player. And if the shooting comes uh, and gets that volume up and does a Brandon Ingram and goes from 1.7 to 3.7 attempts at 34, 35%, Score 12, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.5 steals. That's some uh, some upside there for for Brown, who was the 147th-ranked player. I don't think his his ceiling is as high as Allen or is as high as Carter's, but I do think that Brown can be a top 100 player for at least two or three years. Top 80, top 75 is where he can push into, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a really big step forward in his his third season coming up. So Bruce Brown, a guy I've got there. You know I like McCall Bridges, Miles Bridges. Um, I didn't like quite as much as McCall, and I, I, I'm the same on that now. But Bridges had a really poor second year. He was he needed to take on a larger role. He did take on that larger role. He didn't take it on well. So opinions on him are down. He's the 148th ranked player this season. Miles Bridges, um, can he develop into an all-star? I would have significant doubts of that. His uh, metrics this season are pretty rough. He averaged 13 and 6 on uh, true shooting of 52%. He did hit 81% from the line, which is a step up, but only 33% from three. His usage went from 15 to 20, so that's a big step forward. And maybe if his usage stabilizes this next season coming, we'll see the efficiency catch back up. Defensively, I thought he had a lot of problems this year. Passing, he's still a a long way off in that area. But we're talking about a guy who I think will be looking at a 30-plus minute a night role as we move forward. I don't know that for sure, but I think he should be looking at that. He had a nice little run in February where he scored 20-20, 18-20, and then 22 points in five consecutive games. He can be a steal-and-a-block guy with two threes. He can be a six, six six-and-a-half rebound player, and there's enough value in that for me to go, I think Miles Bridges can have, could he top out as Rudy Gay and have, yeah a couple of top 50 seasons but most likely be a top 80 to top 70 player for four or five years i think that he can do that and Rudy Gay's a pretty high bar but I think Bridges has got that in him, man. I don't think we should write him off after being forced into such a large role this year, which he clearly wasn't ready for. Um, but I think that will hold him in good stead for years three, four, and five as we come forward. So Bridges, the defensive stuff is pretty rough and his PRPM was horrible this year. And his future projections on PRPM aren't that good because of the defensive downfall. So there is some concern there that maybe he washes out. And after a year or so, they go, well, this guy's just not a starter. There is a legitimate concern there. But what you have to pay to get Miles Bridges in a dynasty format at the moment I feel like it's pretty low and I think that works in your favor in terms of taking a flyer on a guy whose value is depressed, which is exactly what we want to do when we're talking about buy low type guys is find that player uh, whose value is a little bit depressed and get them onto your squad and see what happens over the next three, four seasons because we know that Dynasty is a three to four year process and trying to get get that value and get these guys low and get that value to come up. So that's sort of where we're sitting there with Miles Bridges. Darius Garland, fair to say he wasn't good this year. 202nd in fantasy. He played 31 minutes, 12 points only on a true shooting of under 50%. Under four assists from a point guard. 0.7 steals, which is a massive concern for me with him coming out of college. Couldn't get it done defensively. Low three-point volume. Absolutely non-existent rebounds under two per game. They are all really, really poor numbers. But in his last six, he cracked the top 150 He played 35 minutes and averaged 13 with four assists. He shot 56 from the field and 39% from three. This is not the be-all and end-all. And his three-point volume actually dropped. He went from a guy shooting 42% of his shots from three to 31% of his shots from three. So more judicious with his three-point shooting. Ideally, you want the efficiency to come up and the efficiency to rebound back to that 40-odd percent. But he cut it back and it did help his overall efficiency game. His true shooting got up to 53% over those last six games. Will he ever be a high-level assist guy? No. But Mike Conley is a point guard who's been elite in fantasy, and he's never been a 9, 10 assist guy. Probably he's more of a 6 guy. 6, 6.5 type assist player. Can Garland get to that? I'm not sure. Now, I am not totally convinced with him and his skinny-ass body can be a starting caliber point guard. I'm not sure. I wouldn't rule out that he is also going to be a better player than Colin Sexton, and the vast majority of you watching or listening to this will disagree with that, because people love Colin Sexton. I think that Garland has the ability to be a better option there, because he can, I think, pass better than Sexton, and I think the three-point shooting and volume is something that could work out. Now, he's a long way behind at the moment. Defensively, he still sucks, and the pairing of those two is horrible. But we're not looking at what's going to happen next year. It's what's going to happen in the future, in three or four years' time, and where's Garland going to sit. And I think we should have some level of encouragement as to getting a bit of a step up. This is something I'm not investing a huge amount in, and I think he probably never has a top 50 fantasy season. But a three-year window as a top 100 player, probably not next year, probably uh, 20... Probably 21-22 is when we're looking at him to to at least step up into that top 100 zone, maybe even after that. And the Cavs could go with another guard this year. But Garland on another team would be very interesting to watch. The the, uh, development there in Cleveland isn't great at the moment. But I do think he's someone we at least need to pay some attention to as a really distressed asset. I don't think you need to give up a huge amount at this point with how poorly he looked and with other people having the idea that Sexton's the guy they want to build around. Sexton and Kevin Porter in the backcourt, which I don't like as a backcourt at all. I'd, I'd, I would like I like Sexton as a sixth man. I'd like to see if Garland and Porter could develop into starters, but that's just me. Again, I am uh, I just don't particularly love Sexton's game. I don't particularly love Garland's game either, but I do think that his value is a little bit suppressed at the moment, and that is absolutely worth uh, something worth uh, looking at and approaching and seeing what you can do in a dynasty format. The next guy I want to talk about is Zach Collins. Much like Jarrett Allen, I think we've got a bit of a small window here for the buy low uh, of Collins. Now, that window could extend because he's going to be back for Orlando. And if he gets in there and play and plays and struggles, then the buy low window extends. But if he comes out and looks great, then we're in a little bit of trouble. He played just three games this year, twenty nine minutes, nine and four. Didn't get a steal, blocked just two shots. He hit, uh, but he hit forty three percent of his threes during that time. And I really do believe that Collins can be a guy who is a top one hundred player consistently. Defensively, I think he's okay. I think he's got a lot to come offensively in his shooting. I think he can be a pretty strong scorer and rebounder who you know, hits threes, one and a half threes a game maybe, one and a half blocks, 14 and nine in an ideal scenario. Whiteside probably won't there be there next season, so we'll see some backup center minutes from Collins as well, which absolutely suits him perfectly. He is only 22 years of age. Um, So I think, again, people will be, well, he was supposed to be a breakout this year. He was shitting the games he played, and then he got injured. And people will honestly hold the injury against him. He was a breakout. He was supposed to be a breakout, and he ended up being a bust. Yes, he played three games. So there is a discount built in there. Will he ever be a top 50 guy? Probably not. His permanent numbers at Gonzaga were unbelievable. They were through the roof. That was, of course, in limited minutes and coming off the bench. It has it all translated over? But an encouraging start to the shooting for this season. We just need more of the defensive stuff to come in and a little bit more in terms of usage. He was at 13%. I think you should push to a 17%, 18% usage guy in years to come. And I think Collins has some real still untapped potential. And this was going to be his opportunity as a starter for the first time to step forward. And unfortunately, unfortunately we didn't get to see that because of the injury. Would have loved to see a lot more from him. The next guy up is a guy that many of you are familiar with. And maybe he's not a buy-low guy because people are familiar with him. But Terrence Davis is... I thought he looked really impressive in his time in Toronto. He only played 18 minutes ago. Sorry, 17 minutes a game. He averaged 8 points. But he shot 46% from the field, including 40% from three, on three and a half attempts per game. He got half a steal. He almost two assists per game. His uh, PIPM was really, really strong. His PIPM projection... Is looking pretty strong moving forward. I thought he can hold his own uh, defensively. He only started two games. And again, this is grain of salt stuff. Two games as a starter. 34 minutes, 22 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, four and a half threes on a true shooting of 66%. That is wildly good. He is not that good because that's a top 20 player. But I think Terrence Davis has a real chance whether that's in Toronto or not, depending on what happens with Van Bleet and Lowry and Powell as we move forward. This is probably three years away, but I think Davis is the guy that has a real chance to be a a 30-minute-a-night player and be a top-50 fantasy guy with assists, with scoring, with threes, with efficiency. And I think he can bring some steals into his game. He did only average 1.1 per 36, which is not ideal. But he averaged 2.1 per 36 in preseason, so there is some encouragement there. As an undrafted guy, he's a little bit maybe under the radar in a number of spots. So that's something that we can, I guess, look at and and have some hope or some faith that there is a bit of a... And again, it's, it's not about getting him and someone goes, well, you give me a top 70 type guy back or a top three draft pick in a rookie draft. You go, well, okay, calm down. i will rather lose out on Davis than overpay. And that's what it always is. It's never get this guy at all costs because at all costs means, well, if I throw Giannis out there, that's not at all costs. It's not what I want. Getting the right value. And if you don't get the right value, maybe find it somewhere else. Or get another player in there. This next guy is pretty interesting to me. And it's Isaac Bonga of the Washington Wizards. And I'll tell you why he is so interesting. Advanced numbers have long loved Bonga. They loved him coming out of Germany for the draft. They loved him again this season. His PIPM was 0.65 for a bloke that many people would say, well, who's this guy? His PIPM future projections are through the roof. He had a usage of just 10% this year, but still had added three and a half wins to this Wizards team. He had some real moments where you stood up and went, ah, uh, okay. I go back to the 12th of February. He played 14 minutes. He had 13, five, and three. He hit three threes, had two steals and two blocks. He should have played a lot more than that. He did get injured at some point during that game, and that limited his playing time. But that is why all of these advanced numbers and statistical projections have always loved Bonga. He can pass, he can hit threes, he can get steals, he can block shots, he can do a whole lot. It hasn't happened everywhere. He's only averaged 9 points per 36 this year. He averaged over 2 assists, 1.3 steals per 36. He had a true shooting of 63%. That is massively encouraging, considering he had a true shooting of 24% last year. He started a bunch of games for the Wizards, 41 of them, in fact. Only averaged four points. It was outside to the top 300. Uh, sorry, uh, 286 over the season. But this is one of those absolute flyers where Troy Brown has not really established himself. And I don't know if Bonga's is ever going to be able to play big minutes. But the flashes are still there. I've probably got one more year of seeing him or two more years of watching him and seeing where it goes before I give up. Because there's a lot there that looks interesting: blocking shots, hitting threes, passing, getting steals, being efficient. That all happened this year. Hyper low usage. Can he turn into a Kyle Anderson type of player, who does everything apart from score? I think that's where Bonga's value lies. That's something to watch. But the positivity that he brings in terms of um, in terms of value on a team, uh, in terms of you know, being a positive influence on that squad, I think he is someone that we, we need to have a look at. I think he's someone that, yeah, the, the usage is horrible, and I'm not sure that's ever going to increase, to be honest. But I, I think what he does impact-wise, defensively, uh, is really important, and that's going to have give him a role somewhere moving forward. The last guy I want to talk about is a player that had his struggles this season, and that is Grant Williams. And when I say struggles, I mean, like, struggles with shooting. Like, he's, he he struggled a lot. He was the 338th ranked player this season. Um, he averages three and a half points in 16 minutes. But he got half a steal, he got half a block, and he just looks like he knows what he's doing. And I know that's not a metric that's going to translate to great fantasy numbers, but defensively, I think he can turn into a Paul Milsapy type player, maybe not that high a level. He I think the shooting for him. Not I think. I I know it did improve. He got to 32% from three over his last 25 games. Now, admittedly, in the last 10 of those, he hit 7%. So he's wildly inconsistent with his three ball. That needs to come. He can do a little bit more passing than he's done, but he's a super smart defender who can get defensive numbers, who can stay on the court, who I think will be able to score and shoot a little bit more. Remember, Millsap didn't really do anything like that in his beginning in Utah. He wasn't a three-point shooter who was this absolute stud who was you know, just dominating his whole career. And I think Williams can turn into a guy that probably has a couple of sneaky top 100 seasons in fantasy. And that's obviously really, really valuable for him to get to that level. You know, how, how long is that going to take? It remains to be seen. And there's a massive chance that he never even gets there because the offensive consistency concerns. But you know, going back to Millsap, his first two years, he was outside the top 150 in fantasy. He played you know, 18 and 21 minutes. He only he blocked under a shot a game. He didn't hit threes at all for the first basically seven years of his career until he got to Atlanta. Um, even though he was a solid player in Utah. I think Williams, that, that's the sort of level we looked to. Now, Millsap became the ninth-ranked player in Utah in one season. I don't think Grant Williams can get to that, but I do believe in his development. He's a little bit older. He's, uh, he's 21, so he's not super young for a rookie. He's not massively old either, but he is absolutely a guy that, again, if I have to give up very little to get him, if I talk about a guy that I think could develop into a starting power forward who has top 50 fantasy potential, Williams would be that guy that I would take a look at. That'll do it for me today, guys. In today's show, don't forget to subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and go give us a review. And go check out my other show as well, Locked On AFL. If you're interested in uh, if you watch Australian football, if you're interested in watching Australian football, go and check out Locked On AFL as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.